Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. Satan, demon, hell, the wrath of God, the Trinity, penal substitutionary atonement, complementarianism, egalitarianism, Calvinism, Arminianism. What do each one of those things have in common? They're the most terrifying subjects a pastor can preach over. They're the most terrifying, confusing, and the most difficult portions of Scripture for a pastor to be able to teach over. And in the three years or so here at Redemption, I have preached over every single one of those subjects. And each time, I was a little nervous, I was a little anxious, and I was worried, but I was prayed up, fired up, rested up, and I was ready to go. And I think the probably most terrifying sermon I ever preached was out of the book of James. In the sermon series through James, I stood up here, and this is what I said. I said, you are an enemy of God, and his wrath burns against you. How many of you are there for, for that one? Do you remember that one? Okay, yeah, that was terrifying. I was, I was very nervous. It was probably the most anxious I've ever been preaching a sermon until today. Okay, do you know why? Because today I'm talking about parenting. That's right, parenting. Parenting is terrifying. And it's terrifying to preach a sermon over parenting because it's so personal for every single one of us. Being a parent is terrifying, it's confusing, and it is difficult. Being a parent is, is, it's terrifying because you only get one shot. I mean, like, as a parent, you're like, if I mess this kid up, there's no take backs. I mean, like, that's just one and done, baby. That's just the way it is. Like, and especially for, for, for first kids, second kids, third kids, you learn from your mistakes. But the first kid, whoo, that's on you, buddy. Like, I mean, you just hope one day you're like turn on the tv and you don't see your kids on cops like that's that's the prayer of every parent being a parent is is terrifying you know what i find so terrifying about being a parent is they just let they just let anybody have kids like i mean if you want to be able to if you want to be able to get a driver's license you have to pass a test if you want to get a gun you have to pass a test if you want to get a degree you got four years of college but then you so they just hand you a kid they're like here you go here's your kid right good luck no take backs don't mess it up like here's your bill you're like that's it that's it there there it is that's your kid I mean it doesn't even come with instructions I mean at least when I go to Ikea I get like instructions like there's like three little steps in that little tool that is no help at all right but it's like I, I get instructions like I can do this like one step two step three steps but a kid, there is no instructions. And I'm just worried because when I put together Ikea furniture, it's all built backwards and missing a leg. I hope Esther doesn't turn out the same way. <laughs> and just, that's just the way that parenting is. Being a parent, it is literally terrifying. But more than that, it's also confusing. Okay, how many of you have ever read a parenting book? You ever read a parenting book? Okay, how many of you ever read two parenting books? Okay, the first parenting book, you're like, oh, that's nice. The second one, you're like, what the heck? They don't even agree with each other, right? And you read it, the more you read, the more confused you are because nobody agrees when it comes to how you're supposed to raise your kids. Like, we don't even know, right? The more you read, the more you're confused. I mean, just think about it. Like, how are we supposed to do this? Is it quality time or quantity time? Okay, I don't know. Okay, do you homeschool or do you public school? You're like, I, I, I don't know. Do you put them in private school? Like, I, I, I don't know. Is it breastfeed or bottle feed? Do you want the epidural? Do you do the natural birth? Like, who knows what's best for your kids? Is milk good for kids? We don't know. Every five years, there's a new research that comes out and just disagrees with the other one because everybody's making it up as they go along. Being a parent, it is, it is difficult. It is confusing. It is terrifying. And it's the hardest thing that you will ever do in your life. I remember... Whenever Ashley was pregnant with Esther, I thought, nine months is way too long. I can't wait to see her. I can't wait till she gets here. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And then whenever Esther was being born, we were in the hospital, and we were in the delivery room, and we were all prepared. And Ashley's so beautiful as she's, you know, giving birth, and it's this beautiful miracle, and she's sweating, and she's screaming, and crying, and 
breaking my hand and Jeff Buckley's hallelujah is playing on the stereo and then and then Esther she's born and she takes her tiny hand and she reaches out and the doctors hand it to me and and she wraps her hand around my finger for the first time I think I'm gonna do anything I can for this girl I am gonna always watch over her I am gonna protect her I am never gonna let this girl out of my sight and then immediately that evening, press the button. Hey, nurse, come get this girl. Like, like, I am so tired. I am exhausted. I just need to, to go to sleep. And you know what that showed me? Is it didn't even take me 12 hours before I felt like a bad parent. Parenting is hard. Parenting is difficult. Parenting is is, is very challenging. I remember before Esther was born, I thought, babe, we're going to be the best parents. I, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. And we'd see other parents and be like, they must not raise their kids right. Because <laughs> we'd be walking through Target. Oh, you laugh, but you know you do the same thing. We were walking through Target and we see like a mom and, you know, she's there by herself and she's having, you know, she, her kid's having this big nuclear meltdown and they're screaming in Target and the mom's like, please stop it. It's like a hostage negotiation, but in reverse. I'll give you whatever you want. Just stop. Right. And, and so, and, and so can we just get out of here? Like, that's it. And I thought, ooh, it's probably because that kid watches too much TV. <laughs> when we have kids, there's no TV in the house. No iPads, no screen time. When we have kids, we're going to make our own food. She's going to wear cloth diapers, right? All of her toys are going to be organic. Like when we have kids, oh man, they're, they're, we're not going to write a parenting book. Okay, they're going to write a book about the way that we parent because we're going to be so great as parents. And then all of a sudden we, we, we had kids. Like what do you call someone who doesn't think parenting is difficult? You know what we call them? not parents, because parenting is hard. Parenting is difficult because within three months, I was like, somebody get this girl a chicken nugget. Like, please, this is, oh, this is so difficult. I'm like, she's crying. You know, she's sprinkling everywhere. There's fluids coming out of every hole. Like, what do we do? Give her an iPad, iPad stat. Where's the remote? Like, get her that toy. I don't care what she's doing. Just somebody try to get this girl to shut up. I haven't been to Target in two years. Lord, please help. But that's parenting. And that's why this subject is so important for all of us is because probably one of the most important things we'll ever do in our life is to be a parent. And so we're going to need to have wisdom when it comes to parenting. And luckily for us, there's a book written about parenting from God's perspective. And no, it's not going to be found in Barnes and Nobles or even at the Christian bookstore. It's found in the Bible. See, oftentimes as parents, we want to go read those books before we want to read the good book. Oftentimes as parents, we want to go seek their advice before we ask God's advice. Oftentimes as parents, we'd rather read a blog rather than to read our Bibles. And so we want to go to the Bible and see what God's word has to say about wisdom for parenting because one of the most important personal practical things you will ever do in your life is to be a parent. And if you're going to be a parent, you're going to need to get some wisdom and so luckily for us, we're in a sermon series called Wisdom for Life through the book of Proverbs. And today is wisdom for parenting. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you eight principles for parenting from the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs is 31 chapters. There's 915 verses. And really the main objective of Proverbs is to be able to give you wisdom for parenting. Okay, so I don't have time to preach a 915-point sermon over every single one of the verses, so I'm only going to give you eight, eight principles from the book of Proverbs, and then I'm going to close by giving you one promise at the very end. So eight principles from the book of Proverbs. We're going to start off in Proverbs 1, 8. I want you to understand that Proverbs is from a father to a son, which shows us that a wise parent is to be personal. As you read through the book of Proverbs, what you're going to notice is that it's a book written from a father to a son. Today's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Proverbs is going to be very important for you as you're raising your children, because on one hand, Proverbs really is a children's book. Okay, there are no pictures in it, but it is a children's book. And so it's important for you to read Proverbs to your kids because it's going to teach your kids how to get wisdom. But on the other hand, more than just being a children's book, it's actually a parenting book because it's written from a father to a son to give his kid wisdom for life. And if you want your kids to have wisdom for life, you're going to have wisdom for your life. And that's why Proverbs 
is important. And the first thing Proverbs is going to tell us is that a wise parent is personal. Proverbs 1.8 says, Hear, O my son, your father's instruction. So it's written from a father to a son. In 2.1, it says, my son, if you will receive my sayings. 3.1, my son, do not forget my teachings. Here, my son, forget, don't forget my instructions. Here, my son, accept my saying. My son, give attention to my words. And then Proverbs 5.1, it says, listen, my son, to the wisdom. In Proverbs 6.1, and all throughout the book, over and over and over and over again, it says, my son, my son, my son, my son. You get the picture? That Proverbs is written from a father to a son. And here's the reason why. It's because our children, they need to be instructed. And it's our job as parents to instruct them. That our child, they need to be trained up. And it's our job as parents to train them up. Our child, they need knowledge. It's our job to be able to give them that knowledge. As parents, our kids need wisdom, which means whose job is it to give them that wisdom? It's our job. It's our job to give the kids that wisdom. And here's the important part, is that if you don't have wisdom, guess what you can't give your kids? Wisdom. The principle is this, that you can't give what you don't have. Right? You can't give your kids what you do not have. Just as an example, I would love to give all of you a million dollars. Wouldn't that be amazing? Too bad. I ain't got a million dollars. Can't give it to you. You can't give your kids what you don't have. The other day, Esther, after taking her medicine, she wanted a popsicle. And she took her medicine and she was crying and she said, Daddy, can I have a popsicle? And I went to the refrigerator, I opened the freezer, and we were out of popsicles. So no matter how much my little girl cried, did she get a popsicle? No, because I didn't have it. And my heart wanted to give my daughter everything in the world. But in that moment, I didn't have it. And at times in your parenting, you're going to want to give them everything but the truth is you can't give your child what you don't have which is why parenting needs to be so personal because if you want your kid to get wisdom and it's your job to give it you got to get wisdom first if you want your kid to have understanding then it's your job to have understanding because you can't give your kid what you don't have and the most important thing you can give your kid is a relationship with Jesus and so if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, then your child is not going to experience a personal relationship with Jesus. If you as a parent are not experiencing life change, then you can't expect your child to experience life change either. Over and over in Proverbs says, my son, listen to me. My son, listen to me. If you're not experiencing it, your child will not listen to you. It starts with you. It starts right here. You want to give them everything. The best thing you can give them is for a mom or a dad to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Over and over through the book of Proverbs, here's what we say it is that wisdom is not a proverb. Wisdom is a person. His name is Jesus. If you just take the word wisdom as we read through the book of Proverbs and you replace it with the name of Jesus, then Proverbs is going to start making a lot more sense. And if you want your kids to get wisdom, you got to give them Jesus. And if you want to grow in wisdom, you need to grow in Jesus. Because as a parent, the most important thing you can do is to give your child a personal relationship with Jesus. And that starts with you. The first thing Proverbs would tell us is that wisdom for parenting is actually personal. The second thing is that a wise parent is present. Proverbs 24, 30. It says, I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And 31, and behold, and it was overgrown with thorns, the ground was covered in nettles, and its stones were broken down. Then I saw, and I considered it, I looked, and then I received instruction. As you read through the book of Proverbs, what you're going to notice over and over again is that much of the wisdom that is shared is through personal experience. A lot of the wisdom that we find throughout the book of Proverbs is basically the, the dad saying to the son, hey, look over there, what do you think about that? It comes from normal, everyday experiences. So in Proverbs 30, he says, hey, son, look at that bird. What do you think about that bird? Okay, in Proverbs 30, he says, hey, do you see that snake on the rock? Okay, what do you think about that snake on the rock? Right, in chapter 6, the, the dad says, hey, son, come over here. Look, look, do you see those ants? Okay, what, do you, what do you think about those ants? What can we learn about those ants? Here in chapter 24, what he says is, is hey, son, do you see that guy's house over there? 
What do you think about that guy's house? Do you see his house? And the son's like, dad, I don't see the house. Well, why don't you see that guy's house? Well, the weeds are all overgrown. The trees are falling down. It looks like his walls are collapsing. I can't really tell the house. And the dad says, exactly. Take care of your belongings. See, that's wisdom. The dad says, that guy's a sluggard. He doesn't care for what God has provided him with. Don't be like that man. That's wisdom. And as a parent, sometimes the best wisdom you can pass along to your kids is simple observations in your everyday life. But here's the deal. If you want to pass along this great wisdom, you have to be present in their life. See, oftentimes as parents, we focus on trying to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect, but you can be present. See, as parents, we focus on trying to be perfect. I want to be perfect. I need to be perfect. I got to be perfect. And sometimes as parents, we spend so much time trying to be perfect for our kids, we forget to be present with our kids. See, think about it. Like often we want to be perfect. I got to do this for my kids. Right, we want to be the perfect parent. There's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of societal norms that are placed on parents for us to be perfect because we read the mommy blogs. Okay, we're in that private Facebook group with all the motherhood stuff. We follow them on Instagram. We see the hashtags. We read the magazines and we think they're perfect. I need to be perfect. I got to be perfect. So I have to do all these things to be perfect for my kids. I need to get them into these schools, right? We need to go to these extracurricular activities. I got to sign them up for t-ball. They got to be in select soccer. They need to be in taekwondo. Oh, here's a ballet lesson. Let me put them in these clothes. We got to go to these places. They need to eat these foods, non-organic, GMO, whatever it is we have to do these things and then we'll be perfect for our kids and sometimes as parents being honest we focus more on being perfect than being present you know whenever I'm doing counseling people and they're, they're looking back you know what they never say you know I really think all my trouble began when I missed eighth grade banquet you know what they say they say you know what the moment I decided to ruin my life is because my parents didn't get me an iPhone they don't say that they don't say, you know what? I decided that I was going to just start doing drugs because I couldn't get into another Taekwondo class on Thursdays. That's not what they said. You know what they said? My parents weren't in my life. As, as parents, when I'm talking to you about your children, you know what parents never say? I wish I would have worked more overtime. That's not what they say at the end of their life. You know what, they, they, I wish that I would have sent out one more college application for my kid. I wish that I would have spent one more day playing golf. That's not what parents say. Do you know what both children and parents said? I wish I would have had more time. Because that's what matters most. See, as a parent, you don't have to be perfect as long as you're present in the life of your child. See, oftentimes we focus so much on being perfect, but Proverbs would say, hey, do you see that bird? What do you think about that? Do you see that ant? Let's talk about that. Let me be present in your life. That's what a wise parent does. A wise parent is a present parent. The next one is this. Proverbs number three, a wise parent is a patient parent. 24 Three through four. By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. He says, by wisdom, a house is built. Next door to my house, they're actually building a, a new house. And they've been working on it for six months. And guess what? When I go home today, it's still not going to be built. Okay, by wisdom, a house is built. Think about raising your kids a lot like building a house, that it's going to take some time. You start by laying the foundation, you put the plumbing in, then you put up the, you know, you put up the frame, and then you frame it all out, then comes the roof, and then you, on the inside, you're painting it, and then you're moving all of the furniture in, and then it's going to take a while, and then eventually you're all moved in. But just because you move in, it takes a family to turn a house into a home. Wisdom builds the house. The same way comes to building your family, that it's going to take you time. You lay the foundation, then you put up the frame, then you move them all in, and then over time, those rooms are filled with present riches, and then your house becomes a home. You need to think about being a parent a lot like being, building a house, because a house isn't built o overnight. It, it takes a while. Being a parent, it's going to take you a while. It's a big job. It's a long job. You're going to be there for a while. And so you're going to need to be patient. 
By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. And through knowledge, those rooms are filled with pleasant riches. Okay, here's how you, here's how you build a family. It takes planning, it takes preparation, and it's going to take a lot of patience. Okay, it's going to take planning. Like, you need to be figuring out what's coming next because your child's not going to be this age forever. They grow very fast. It's going to take some planning. What comes next? It's going to take some preparation. What are you doing to prepare for that day? Are you reading books? Are you in a community group? Are you a member of a church? Are you asking other people? Are you seeking wise counsel? Are you learning? Are you listening? Are you preparing yourself for that day? And then lastly, it's going to take patience. Are you frustrated? Are you exhausted? Do you stress out way too easily? Do you lose your temper? Okay, you're going to need to be you're going to need to be patient. And here's what, here's what people will often tell you. They'll say, you need to be patient with your kids. I agree with that. But I would say you also need to be patient with yourself because you're in this for a long time. Okay? You're going to be here for a long time because no matter how old that child gets, you're always going to be their dad. You're always going to be their mom. And understand this, that Every age and life stage of your child is going to be different. So raising a toddler is a lot different than raising a baby. Okay, babies, you think, oh, that's so hard. I can't believe they're like infants. I barely get to sleep. But all they do is lay there and poop, and sometimes you feed them. That's it. And then all of a sudden they become toddlers, and they're not laying in the mirror, and they're still pooping everywhere. Okay, and you still have to feed them. And so they're just running around the house, like leaking fluids, sprinkling everywhere. You're like, what's going on? Like, okay, like, here's the deal. Like, Toddler is different than a baby, but then all of a sudden that toddler is going to be going into first grade, and you're going to have to remember, how do I write in cursive again? Okay, what is long division? Okay, you're going to need to figure that out, because pretty soon that first grader is going to be going to junior high, and they're going to have one curly hair, and their voice is going to sound like you and their wife in the same day. They're like, hey, what's going on? Oh my God, what happened? What happened to my child? They're like, dad. And you're like, I need an exorcist. Please call Pastor Byron. Come anoint our home with oil. And then from there, they're going to go into high school, and then all of a sudden, there's boys or there's girls, and then you're buying prom dresses and then planning for graduation, and then all of a sudden, they're going to college, you're sending out applications, then they're picking out dresses, they're getting married, you're walking them down the aisle, then they want to come back and live at your house, and you say, oh, no, and then... Over and over and over again, there's each different season, stage, and life age. And as a parent, you're going to be there for every single one of them. And so, yes, on one hand, be patient with your kids. But on the other hand, be patient with yourself. By wisdom, a house is built over prayer and tears and many, many years. Eventually, if you get wisdom, those homes will be filled with pleasant riches. Those are your kids. Be patient. Don't just be patient with the kids. It's true. But also be patient with yourself. The next one is that a wise parent is prophetic. 1821. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. The words you speak over your children create the world that they live in. Your words create their world. Think about the words you speak over your child, because when you say those words, you are creating and shaping their future. The question is not, will you create their future? The question is, what kind of future will you create for your children? Will it be one of blessings or will it be one of cursings? Will it be one of love or will it be one of hate? Will it be a future of wisdom or a future of foolishness? Will you prophesy life over your children or will you prophesy death over your children? because as a parent, you are a prophet in your house. Your words create their world. I was talking with a guy the, the other day in, in our church, and, and he came and he did some counseling with us. And as I'm listening to him, and he's just telling me his story, and here, here's what he says. My entire life, from as long as I can remember, my dad told me that I was a failure. My dad told me that I was the biggest mistake he'd ever made in his life. He didn't want to spend time with me. He told me that he never loved me. He told me that I was a loser, that nobody was going to be there for me, that I was going to be just as much as a failure as he is, and so don't get my hopes up. This man's 40 years old, and every single day he hears his dad's voice in the back of his mind. And as we were sitting on that couch praying, 40-year-old man bawling his eyes out because those words have devastated him. His marriage, his kids, his job, his health, his family. 
his whole life because he believed a lie. A lie need not be true to be powerful. It just needs to be believed. Your kids, they're listening to you. And the words you speak over them, they will believe about themselves. What are you speaking over your kids? Are you speaking death over your kids? Are you criticizing them? Are you, are you angry with them? Are you harsh with them? Do you make fun of them? Do you criticize them? Do you tease them? Do you put them down and laugh at them anytime they fail? Do you tell them this is the way you are? You're just like your mama? Is that what you say to your kids? Do you make your kids feel like failures? If so, you're a false prophet in your home prophesying death over your kids. And your children will eat the rotten fruit that comes from your mouth. Be a shame if they grew up to be just like you. But on the other hand, what happens when you speak life into your kids? Guess what happens? Life. What happens when you encourage your child? Life. What happens when you bless them? Life. What happens when you speak over them, when you pour yourself out for them? What happens when your children see you and your spouse loving one another? That makes life for them. What happens when you just pour out the goodness and the kindness of God into them? Guess what happens? Life happens. You are a prophet. Your words will come true. What words are you speaking over your children? Are they words of blessings or cursings? Are they words of life or death? because your word makes their world. You're creating their future. You're a prophet. The words you speak will make the fruit of the life they enjoy. What kind of words are you speaking over the life of your children? A wise parent knows that they're a prophet. The next one is this. A wise parent is protective. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. How many of you are like, oh, I knew that was coming. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Okay, this is going to get awkward for a little bit, but I love you. I'm your pastor. Give me the benefit of the doubt. Here's another one. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest, and he will delight in your heart. And one more, just for good measure. Folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Okay, Okay, y'all knew this was coming. You were looking forward to it. I know how excited y'all were. You got your finger on the send button, ready to send me an email. Okay, but let me say this real quick. How many of you ever heard the, ver- the, 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 the saying, spare the rod, spoil the child? You ever heard that? Okay, growing up in fifth grade, Miss Keeney, she said that to me all of the time. <laughs> spare the rod, spoil the child. Okay, that's actually not in the Bible. Okay, not so much as what we see here, but the principle is kind of the same. I mean, people may say, I can't discipline my kid because I love them so much. No, to refuse to discipline your child is to refuse to love them correctly. That we do need to discipline our children. And, and, but here's the, the reason why so many of us, we, we get so upset about it, is because we think that discipline is punishment. The truth is, discipline is actually protection. Okay, let me read that verse to you one more time, just so you can see how this goes says, folly or sin or rebellion is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Okay, foolishness, folly, sin, rebellion, okay, that's, that's all the same thing. Where is it found? It's found in the heart. Okay, see, we often think that discipline is punishment when really discipline really serves as protection. Because when you discipline your child, you are protecting them from sin. When you discipline your child, you are not punishing them for sin. You're protecting them from sin. Your child is foolish. I know they're sweet and they teach you so much, but really your child is, is foolish. Okay, just think about it. Left to their own devices, would your child produce the best life of flourishing for themselves? No. Like in my house, here's what it would be. If Esther did not have discipline, then what we'd be doing is we would eat candy for breakfast. The dog would be duct taped to the wall. We'd be setting fireworks off in the house. We'd have third degree burns from spending all day at the beach without sunscreen. She would never buckle up as she's in her car seat because she hates that too. And we would just have popsicles everywhere. Like that's our house without discipline. Now, is that good for her or is that bad for her? That's bad for her. So as a parent, because I love her, I discipline her because I'm trying to protect her. And as a parent, I'm not protecting her from what's out there. 
Okay, we, we think a lot, oh, look at how bad the world is. It's so terrible. Like all these people are just so bad. They're going to hell in a handbasket. Here's what we're gonna do. We gotta build a nice little bubble wall around our kids so we can protect them from the big bad world. No, the biggest problem your child has is not out there. It's right here. Because foolishness is in the heart of a child. And our childs are sinners. I love Esther. She's two years old. She's so sweet. She is so adorable. I mean, every day I walk home from, from, I come home from work, I walk in the door, and Esther goes, oh, daddy's home. Daddy's home. And then she runs, and she goes, daddy, 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 daddy. And then she comes, and she grabs me by the leg, and she says, down. And I'm like, up. And she's like, up. And I'm like, great. And I pick her up, and I just give her a big hug. And, and all week long, as I'm working on this sermon, and I'm preaching over parenting, and I'm working from home, and she comes, and she grabs me by the hand, and she says, daddy, want to cuddle? I'm like, uh, I'm preaching on parenting. I better practice what I preach. Daddy, want to cuddle? And I'm like, yeah, baby, I want to cuddle for sure. And so, so I would just stop and I would go and cuddle with her because she's so sweet and she just loves cuddles. And every day she, I come home and she gives me a big old hug. But guess what? That girl will lie to my face. <laughs> Nobody taught her how to lie. The other day, she hit Ashley. She didn't learn that from us. She didn't learn that in Redemption Kids. That's here. My child is foolish, and my child is a sinner. Every single one of us is born in sin. We are bent in, depraved, backwards. Every single one of us is selfish, self-centered, and that doesn't matter if you're 32 or 2. Every single one of us has sin, and here's why discipline is so important, because our sin needs to be dealt with. And so we, we discipline our kids, but here's the principle. It's not for their punishment. It's for their protection. So what does discipline look like? Here's what it looks like. It looks like the heart. Okay, in life, if you discipline your kids for their actions, then all you're going to do is teach them how not to get caught. But if you discipline for the heart, then you're going to open themselves up to the gospel. Because if I would just tell Esther, like, hey, don't lie, guess what she's going to do? She's going to be a better liar. If I say, hey, I'm disciplining you because you hit mommy, next time she's going to hit her and run away, and then i got to spend the next 30 minutes trying to catch her, and then i got to discipline her again. See, you don't discipline for actions. You discipline so you can get to that child's heart. That's why protection is so important. So let me give you a, a couple of differences between punishment and protection. The first one is this, is that punishment is about behaviors but protection is about beliefs. Sin starts in the heart before it ever reaches your child's hands. Okay, it's not out there, it's in here. And if all we do is punish for the behaviors, then we're gonna have a well-behaved, successful sinner with a 4.0 GPA, and that makes you look good at the Parent Teachers Association, but they have no clue who Jesus is. You know what happens whenever you punish for behavior? You create Pharisees. Little Pharisees who run around, they know all of the rules, but they have no relationship. They know all of the laws, but they don't know any love. They know what to do, but they don't know who God is. And so all you're doing is focusing on the behaviors. You never get to the heart. It's the heart that has the beliefs. You got to get to that heart. The next one is this, is that punishment is easy, but protection is hard. See, it's easy to say, go to your room. It's really hard to say, baby, come here. This is hard. This is really hard. It's easy for me to raise my voice. It's hard for me to get down on her level. This is hard. It's easy for me to tell her what to do. It's really hard to say, I love you. Come here, baby. Who am I? Who am I? Okay, yeah, I get it. You're screaming, but who am I? Okay, yeah, that's, that's mommy. Who am I? Okay, that's the dog, but, but who am I? I'm your daddy. Okay, nope, I'm not, nope, nope, right here. Okay, nope, can't run away. Okay, right here. What, what's going on? Nope, why did you do it? Nope, nope. Listen to me. I love you. I love you. I love you. She's crying, screaming, snots everywhere. Nothing makes sense. Eventually, 
She calms down, and I get to that heart. That's hard. Punishment's easy. But discipline for protection hits your child's heart. The next one is this. Punishment's about control. As parents, oftentimes we discipline out of control because we want our child to do what makes us feel like we're doing the right thing. We say, these are the rules of my house. This is my dominion. This is how I want things to be. This is right. This is wrong because I said so, because I'm your dad. You need to listen to me. That's control. But protection is about trust. See, right now, I can control Esther because I'm bigger than her. And so when she's screaming and crying, you know what I do? I just pick her up. And then I put her in the car seat. I strap her in, give her the passy, shut the door. She's done. But right now she's two. Pretty soon she's going to be 13. I can't pick her up then. I can't control her then. You know what I need then? I need trust. The most important thing your child will ever give you is trust. And if you lose that, you're going to lose control. See, as a parent, it's easy for us to discipline out of control. Do this, don't do that. But trust, why, is so important. Because when you lose their trust, you lose the most important thing they could ever give you. One day, Esther, she's going to be 12. She's going to be 22. And on that day, I want her to trust me, that I want what's best for her so that she'll listen to me. Not because I said so, but because she knows I love her. And then lastly, number four, is that punishment is about law, but protection is about grace. Now, law is good. Don't don't get me wrong. Law is good. You need to have some laws. Don't be that parent who's like, all right, Pastor Byron said no rules in the house. Don't, don't, don't do that. Our kids team works too hard for you to do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Laws are good. God has laws. Did you know that? 613 of them in the Old Testament. The Ten Commandments, those are laws. Jesus comes along and he fulfills the law. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. Those are laws. James says, and you will fulfill the royal law. Paul talks about the law of Christ. Laws are good, but law alone is never enough. As parents, oftentimes we parent only out of the law. Don't do this. Do this. This is what dad says because I am the man. Listen to me. That's law. Law is good, but law alone is not enough. The law exposes our sins, but grace forgives our sins. The law, it reveals our sins, but grace, it covers our sins. The law, it shows us what we did, but grace shows us who Jesus is. As a parent, you're protecting your child from the sin by showing them who Jesus is. Parents, do not rely on the law to do only what grace can accomplish. Grace, my friends, grace. As parents, let's not be Old Testament parents. Let's be new covenant dads, new covenant moms who show our kids the amazing, wonderful grace that we've received from Jesus, that Jesus Christ goes to the cross in your place, dad, in your place, mom. He dies the death that you deserved, mom, because your actions, your behaviors, your foolishness, your rebellion, your sin separated you from God. And now you as a parent have the opportunity to love that child the same way that God the Father has loved you, not by law, but by grace. It's protection. How many of you are glad that God has saved you from you? That's the same gift God gives you for your child. It's about protecting them. The next one is this. A wise parent is a passionate parent. Okay, here's here's what Proverbs says. It says, my son, if, you, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exalt you when your lips speak what is right. So the question is, do you praise your kids? Do you celebrate your kids? Are you excited about your kids? Are you passionate over your kids? Are you proud of your kid? Listen, dads, as a father, listen to me, please. Listen to me, dads, especially who are raising sons. Your son needs you to tell him you're proud of him. 
So many young men I meet, their dads never told them, hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, I love you. Hey, here's some affection from a father to a son. Here is a hug. I am celebrating you today, not just because you accomplished some big thing, but because you're mine. I'm proud of you. You have an opportunity as a dad to do that. Be passionate about your kids. What are your kids into? What are your kids like? Celebrate those things. Celebrate what your kid's into. You're like, but I don't want to spoil my kid. Listen, I want my kid to be spoiled. I just don't want her to act spoiled. There's a difference. I want my kid to know that her dad loves her, that I'm going to cheer her on, that I'm going to be there for her every step of the way, that I'm going to be always in her corner fighting for her. I want her to know that daddy's always there, and I want her to know that she's encouraged to do the right thing. Be passionate about your kids. And here's the reason why. If you're passionate about when your kids do the right things, then guess what? They're going to be passionate about doing the right thing. Be passionate. Celebrate them when they do what's right. And then they're going to want to do what's right because you're passionate about that. What are you passionate about with your kids? Here's what we're passionate about in the Ellis house. Right now, we're passionate about three things. We're passionate about potty training. We're passionate about crayons, color, art and taking walks. That's what we're passionate about. And so in our house, like we have colors and crayons all over the house and we're just teaching her on the paper, not the wall. That's us. We're passionate about potty training. Like, oh, you go pee pee in the potty. Woohoo! yeah, that's so amazing. You go pee pee in the potty. Like every time she goes tinkle, you think the Astros won the World Series. We're like, Altuve, high five, this is amazing. And then she's like, oh, you go poo-poo? Woo-hoo, woo-hoo, that's amazing, so good for you. Uh. But we're passionate about it, and you know what? When I'm passionate about what she's passionate about, she does a better job. We go for long walks. I make time throughout our week to where I can take my girl on a walk, because every day she wants to go for a walk with her daddy. And I want her to be passionate about those things. And here's what we've discovered, is the more we're passionate about what is right for her, the more passionate she becomes about doing what's right. Proverbs says, hey, my son, when you get wisdom, I'm glad for you. And the more you do what's right, I celebrate you. Be passionate about your kids. The, the next one is this. Number seven, a wise parent is pastoral. 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord. That's the main theme for the book of Proverbs. We've been hitting it every single week. The fear of the Lord. That is a awe, a respect, a reverence. It is a worship. It is an awareness of God's presence. It is the fear of the Lord, God's presence that brings what? Strong confidence. And his children will have a refuge. Okay. When you walked in the doors today, Here's my prayer for you every single week that you would experience life change through Jesus. I want you to begin to think about your home as a church and you as a parent, as your child's pastor. Okay, let's say you come into church on a Sunday. What would you do at church if nobody greeted you when you walked in? You say, these people are kind of rude. What would you do if there was no one working the kids' check-in? You think, oh, my kid's probably not safe. What would you do if you came in and it's time for church and we didn't sing any songs? You're like, oh, this is awkward. I hope they don't ask me to sing. What would you do if you came in and we didn't have a time of prayer for you? Like, do these people even care about me? What would you do if you came to church and I said, okay, guys, here's the Bible. I'm going to put it right over here and I'm not going to read it today. What would you think? You would think, this church is unbiblical. Tragically, many of our homes look like that church because we are the parents, we are the pastors, your home is your child's church. There is a children's pastor in your house, his name's dad. There is a associate pastor in your house, mom. God has put you two together to make disciples out of your children. You are the pastor of your house. In the same way as a pastor here, it's my job to be able to put the church in order. It's your job as a parent to put your house in order. That you're the pastor of your home. Come on, you're the pastor of your home. That's incredible. And here's what it says. The fear of the Lord. What is that? That is God's presence. 
That is God's presence in your house. Here's what I pray every single Sunday before you walk in, me and the deacons and our prayer team, what we're doing is we're praying all week long. Lord, let this old warehouse be filled with the presence of God. That when people walk in these doors, they experience a safe place for them to know God's grace. We've been praying for you every single week. That when you walk through those doors, people are laughing, they're hugging, they're shaking your hand, they're encouraging you because all week long you've been discouraged, all week long you felt attacked, all week long you've been beat up. We want you to walk in these doors and we want you to encounter a living and holy God. When you come into worship, we want your hands raised. We want you to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we pray over you to receive the Holy Spirit, to have comfort, to have correction, to have encouragement. When I open up the Bible to preach, I want to stand in God's word and authority. And I want to preach the word to you because it's God's word that brings the growth. And every single Sunday, here's my prayer, that everyone who walks in would experience life change through Jesus. That's what it's about. That's my job. But that's also your job. Because I pastor this church. You pastor that church. I pastor this house. You pastor that house. Your kids need you. Your job as a parent is to do more than just put a roof over their head, but it's to put a Bible in their hands. Your job as a parent is to do more than just put food on the table, but it's to put the fear of the Lord in their hearts. Because when your home is built with the fear of the Lord, guess what happens? Your home becomes a refuge for your children. How many of you would like to have God's presence in your house? How many of you would love for when you walk in, the presence of God is so thick in your home, it just hits you in the face? How many of you would love to have confidence when it comes to being a parent? I'll give you three ways for you to be a better pastor. First thing is this, take your kids to the word. God's word is true, it's trustworthy. God's word, it tells us exactly who God is. It is the wisdom for life. This is God's word. Build your children on the word of God. Take them to the word and show them what it looks like to, to, to read the word. So here's what we do at our house. We have, we have an ESV Bible on our dining room table. It never leaves. We put it there all the time because we're so busy we forget. And so every night we, we sit down for dinner, guess what's looking us right in the face? The Bible. Okay, and so we open it up, we read it. Right now we're reading the book of Ruth. So it's only four chapters and it's taken me about a month because I can't even read a whole chapter at once. I sit down, I try to read some to, to Ashley, and guess what Esther's doing? Hey, mommy, 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 mommy. What? Love you. I love you too, babe. That's, that's parenting though, but I'm showing her, I'm taking her to the word because I want her to know that mommy and daddy love the Bible. And then, and then, and then I wanna, show her how to read the word for herself. So I would suggest this, get an age-appropriate Bible for every child. Every child in your home, every time they grow up, every time they hit a new grade, every time they move to a new development stage, buy them a brand new Bible. So right now, Esther, she's two. We read the Jesus Storybook Bible every single night. Okay, and so what we do is we read it. She picks out a story. It's got pictures. It whispers the name of Jesus across every single page. It's the best children's Bible I would ever recommend. So get on Amazon. Go ahead and order it. It's amazing. The Jesus Storybook Bible, it's the best. But then one day, I'm going to need to get her a kid's Bible, and then a teen Bible, then a study Bible. They have Bibles for everything. They have Bibles about Bibles, and then Bibles, I mean, there's, there's apologetics Bibles, there's students' Bibles, there's college Bibles, there's, there, there's journaling Bibles, there's, there's, there's women's Bibles, there's men's Bibles, there's illuminating Bibles, which is not a nightlight, by the way. I have no clue what it is, but they have Bibles about everything. We live in a very privileged time. There is no excuse for us to not take our kids to the Word. Your kid can't read King James. I'm a preacher. I can't even read King James. Get them one that they can understand. And then also, I'd suggest this, okay? For you, for, you, for you dads especially, get you a nice ESV study Bible because soon your kids are gonna be asking questions and you're gonna to need to figure out how to get some wisdom around that. So do that. Number two is this, take them to prayer, okay? Pray in front of your kids. 
Your kids learn how to pray from watching you. More of parenting is caught than taught. The disciples, they asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. You know what he didn't do? He didn't call his pastor. You know what he didn't do? He didn't preach them a sermon. He didn't give a three-point outline. He didn't go to Lifeway and pick up a book. You know what he did? He taught them by doing it. He said this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. More of parenting is caught than it is taught. Pray in front of your kids. The second thing I'll tell you is this, pray over your kids. I have a prayer I pray over Esther every single night. It's the same prayer I've prayed over her since the day that she was born. I pray over every single day. And it doesn't get old. It's not routine because I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I believe this is a word that God gave me for my daughter. And I pray this over her every single day. I pray over her. And here's what bedtime looks like. We rock her in the rocking chair. And and then we pray through the big long list. So she's praying for everything. She's like, Lord, pray for mommy, pray for daddy, pray for Nana, pray for Papa, pray for John John, pray for Sarah. Anybody else? Yeah, let's pray for Brandon. Let's pray for Owen. Let's pray for Courtney. Let's pray for Courtney. Let's pray for Crystal. Okay, anybody else? Oh, let's just keep praying. Let's pray for JC. Let's pray for Colleen. Let's pray for Chloe. Okay, anybody? Girl, you are done. Stop. We got to pray for Shiner. Okay, pray for Shiner. Pray for the kitty. Not the kitty because that's a cat. But anyway, (laughs) they're like, okay, you done? You done? Okay, good. Now I can pray. And then I pray the same thing every single day over my daughter. I say, Lord, make her bold. Make her a worshiper. And let her be filled with the Holy Spirit at a very young age. And I pray that over my daughter every single day. Because I pray over her. And then pretty soon I'm about to have another kid. Next week we find out if it's a boy or a girl. And so I'll, I'll need to be praying and saying, God, what, what word would you like me to pray over my next child. Ask God for a word for your kids. Pray it over them every single night, because as the parent, it's that fear of the Lord. You are the pastor over your child, which leads to the next thing. A wise parent is purposeful. Number eight, Proverbs 22, six. As a parent, God has given you a purpose that your child has a destiny. Your child has direction Your child has meaning. Your child has reason. Every single child has a potential, which means every single parent has a purpose. As a parent, what is your purpose? Why did God give you these kids? Why did God trust these kids to you? Because those are their kids. These are your kids. What is your purpose as a parent? Proverbs 26, 2 tells us, here's what he says. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now that word train up in the Hebrew, it means to dedicate, to consecrate, to set apart. Given to the Lord. So it's the same Hebrew word that Moses does whenever he dedicates the tabernacle. It's the same Hebrew word that Solomon does in 2 Kings when he dedicates the temple. It's a dedication. It is a consecration that our job as a parent is to train up or to give our kids to God. And as we give our kids to the Lord, as they continue to grow, when they get older, that they will not depart from it. What that means is our job as parents is to bring our kids to Jesus, and then Jesus, he'll handle it from there. That we are to train up our children. That it's our responsibility to instruct them. It's our responsibility to lead them. It's our responsibility to guide them. It's our responsibility to give them wisdom, but we can't save them. Only Jesus can. It's our responsibility to train them. Your child is on loan from God to you. Your child is a gift from God to you. And one day you're going to have to give them back. That you may be their dad, but he is their father. You may be their mom, but he is their maker. You may be their parent, but he is God. And here's what Proverbs would say. Dedicate your child when they're little. Pray over them, love them, bless them, read the Bible to them, bring them to church, take them to Jesus, do all of these things. Raise these kids in the ways of the Lord. That's what we want to see. That's what we want to do. But here's what you need to know. As parents, you cannot save your child. This verse, it brings a lot of shame to a lot of people. And here, here, here's what happens. His people say, Proverbs 22, 6, train them up. And then your kid walks away. There's a lot of people in this room who they brought their kids to Sunday school every single week and their kids are not following Jesus. 
Some of you, that's your testimony. That you prayed over your kids, you raised up your kids, you did everything best that you knew how for your kids. Then they went to college. But then they moved away. Then they made some bad decisions. And all of a sudden, they're not walking with the Lord anymore. Does that mean that you failed as a parent? Does that mean that you did something wrong as a parent? Does that mean that you didn't pray hard enough? You didn't fast long enough? You didn't believe? You didn't have enough faith? That's not what it means. See, as a parent, here's what we do. We do our best. God's word is what's best. We do our best. We plant deep gospel rooted seeds in the life of our children. We do our best, but then God, he does the rest that God, he handles it from there. Here's what you need to understand is that Proverbs are principles, not promises. So this verse brings a lot of shame because a lot of parents feel like, I did such a bad job. Look at my child, where'd they go? They're not walking with the Lord. They're not a member of a church. They've made a mess of everything. What happened, God? Did I do something wrong? I want you to know that every person in prison has a parent who's been praying for them. That every atheist has a grandma on her knees And so you're not alone in this. The principle is this. If you do these things, then it's going to go better, have a better likelihood. If you're patient, if you're prophetic, if you follow after these principles, it could go better. But there's no telling because life is broken. So as a parent, you're wondering, what does this even have to do with me then? I want to leave you with the promise. The promise is better than the principles. Principles are great, but promises are better. And so I want to leave you with a promise for your parenting. And here's here's the promise. It comes from Jesus. It's the last thing that Jesus ever said to his disciples. It's the last words that Jesus ever said before he sends to the right hand of the Father. And I believe in these last words, not only do you find your purpose for parenting, but I also believe you find a promise for us as parents. And while this verse primarily speaks about mission, I believe it also speaks to the mission we have as parents. And so here's what Jesus says, and I want you to hold on to this. I want you to write it down. I want you to memorize it because you're going to need it every single day for the rest of your life. Here's the promise for you. All authority. How much authority? All authority. That includes you. That includes your spouse. That includes your child. All authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. It's been given to him. And so Jesus says, it's mine. Your your family is mine. Your children are mine. You are mine. Your bank account is mine. Everything you have is mine. All authority in this world is mine. It belongs to me. And then he says, here's your job. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The first disciples you'll ever make are in your home. Go make disciples in your living room. Go make disciples in your kitchen. Go make disciples in the backyard. Go make disciples in all nations, starting at home, teaching them, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What is that? That's wisdom. Fathers, give them wisdom. Moms, give them wisdom. Teach them. And then here's the command. You say, I tried all of that. Here's the promise. Behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. Do you know why preaching a sermon over parenting is terrifying? Because I'm terrified. Do you know why preaching a sermon over parenting is so difficult? Because parenting is difficult. All week long, here's what I was thinking. Esther is going to break my heart one day. She is going to sin against me. She is going to let me down. How do I even do this? How do I even move forward with this? How do I raise this girl in a way that brings glory to God? I can't do it. And parents, you can't do it. On your own, you can't do it. You try, but you can't do it. You want your kids to get saved, but you can't save them. You can't stop them from making the decisions, but you can give them wisdom. And it just feels so overwhelming. What do we do? Here's what we do. We rest in the promise that Jesus gives, that he is with you. 
Even when it's hard, he is with you. Even when you're tired, he is with you. When you are terrified, he is with you. When you're confused, he is with you. When it's difficult, he is with you. When you're potty training, he is with you. When you've been staying up all night, he is with you. If you're a single mom, he is with you. If you're a stay-at-home mom, he is with you. If you don't have custody of your kids, it doesn't matter because he's still with you. He is with you when they don't come home at night. He is with you. When they walk away, he is with you. No matter what you do, where you're at, God is with you. And here's the promise, is that if you get wisdom, you get Jesus. And Jesus is with you. And I don't know about you, parents, I need wisdom. How many of you would say, as a parent, I need wisdom? What you're really saying as a parent, I need Jesus. Because Proverbs is a person, and his name's Jesus. And Jesus is with you. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Oh.